0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to a new episode with IVPN Voice. This is your host, Serene, and today we are interviewing a very special guest. If we have not boosted your ambition and vision over the past few months, today I am sure you will. Aaron Albert. She's a pharmacist, a lawyer, and an author, and an activist in pharmacy. Today's episode will highlight all her achievements, and I am sure we will learn a lot from her experiences in pharmacy in her entrepreneurship as well. Hi, Erin.
1: Thanks, Serene. It's great to be with you. I'm so glad to meet with you and have this chat tonight. So thank you.
0: Thank you. Erin, I know I introduced you very briefly, but when I was looking at your profiles and I looked at your websites and everything, um, it's very fascinating how you're multi um, multi talent person. So I would like to know more from you, uh, your interest, your history, and your career path. Sure. So
1: yes, I get bored pretty easily, Serene. Uh, I yeah. like to do a lot of different things, actually. And I listened to IVPN a little bit today. A lot Thank of your you. guests actually you. have very similar backgrounds in that a lot of us like to do a lot of different things. So yes, you did a great job in kind of setting the stage. But my primary day job is at what we call Apex Benefits, and we are a mid-market insurance broker for commercial healthcare plans here in the Midwest. I live in Indiana. In the US. And my title there officially is Kinetic Health Pharmacy Benefits Practice Leader. And that's just a fancy title for pharmacist, basically. I am the first pharmacist that Apex Benefits has ever hired. And my primary goal in working primarily with our self funded employers is to minimize or reduce drug costs but still maximize pharmacy benefits and drug benefits. I work every day with about 60 to 65 different pharmacy benefit managers. And here in the U.S., PBMs or pharmacy benefit managers are the organizations that kind of manage and control pharmacy claims, because claims processing here in the U.S. is controlled by those pharmacy benefit managers, particularly in community practice pharmacy. What a lot of people don't realize, however, including a lot of pharmacists, is that there are drug benefits not only in the pharmacy benefit for commercial plans and employers, but there's a lot of drugs over in the medical benefit. There's drugs that go out of a worksite clinic. There are drugs that are different. For example, mail order through Canada, personal importation. There's all these different ways that commercial health care plans can pay or help members get their drugs at an affordable cost uh, and to help treat them clinically. So that's what I do as my day job. And in addition, you mentioned some of the other things that I do for fun, too. I'm an author. My current book is kind of a subscription model. I'm writing it through 2021 on my own in kind of separate chapters. And that book's called Punk Rock Pharmacy. And I'm literally in that book talking about kind of the DIY, the do-it-yourself movement of punk rock in several waves and comparing that to what's happening in pharmacy practice right now. There's a lot of change going on and how I can help others develop their own particularly non-traditional pharmacy and healthcare careers. Also the edutainer podcast. I'm on a little bit of a holiday break right now between seasons five and six Season six of the podcast will start in the first quarter of 2022. And that literally is a podcast where I talk to really cool people at the intersection of education and entertainment. So that one's not exclusively healthcare or pharmacy based. And then I do on the side, uh, do take a few selective folks to help coach and develop them into non-traditional career positions themselves. Having worked in a variety of, You know, backgrounds in pharmacy. I worked in community practice pharmacy in the pharmaceutical industry. I taught at a college of pharmacy for over a decade. I've worked in Medicaid. I've worked a little bit in drug formulary management. So, all of those different really cool opportunities in pharmacy, I can help others pivot into out of other roles in pharmacy. And then, last but not least, I love to give back. So, my primary Focus for nonprofit uh, service in 2022 will be serving on the board of directors and as president of the American Society for Pharmacy Law. And then I've recently taken on an editorial advisory board role at the Mensa Research Journal of all things. (laughs) So I'm trying to broaden my horizons a little bit and look at intelligence through this the research journal in much broader way than just healthcare. So that's kind of me in a little nutshell.
0: Oh wow. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's a lot to manage. Oh, my God, you are amazing. You have a, I don't know how you can manage all these um, activities and talents in pharmacy. And uh, it's just amazing. But I bet you have a lot of passion to pharmacy and helping people. And also to to not only in pharmacy, but it, it's interesting how you diverse your um interest as well to law, to pharmacy benefits, um, and to teaching uh, folks as well uh, how to build their own careers. And uh, to tell you the truth, Erin, many of our talks uh, before was actually trying to help uh, our new grads um, and the pharmacists right now. Uh, Not only like knowing that Pharmacy S can be your career, but also learn how you can have fun with pharmacy. And um, I'm learning so much from you and from others as well, how they were able to discover these new um, new sectors. Uh, in in different areas where pharmacists can play a big role. One of the things as well, what uh, interests me, Erin, is how, what, what got you into law? How, how did you end up being a lawyer as well as being a pharmacist?
1: Sure. Actually, there's so many of us out here, believe it or not, at this intersection of pharmacy and law. And if you think about it, Serene, pharmacy is probably one of the most regulated professions out there, right? Maybe second only to banking. So we love our drugs and we love our money in the U.S. So both of them are very highly regulated. And at the time I was contemplating law school. Actually, I should back up. When I did my PharmD degree, I went back after having a BS because everybody was coming out of pharmacy school with PharmD. So I wanted to stay competitive. One of the rotations that I did during my PharmD was in pharmacy law. And my preceptor was general counsel at a pharma company. So I literally saw everything from This guy, this general counsel talking to the janitor all the way up to the CEO, he was looking at building permits and contracts and getting licensed in 50 states and doing and monitoring laws across the 50 states. There was so much going on that it was absolutely fascinating to me how the law touched everything in a pharma company. And so I thought that was cool. And I kind of put it away in the back of my mind. And then lo and behold, several years later in academia, I was teaching pharmacy law at a school of pharmacy. And I really thought it would be a good idea to go back to law school, primarily for the reason that the Affordable Care Act here in the US was rolling out at the time I went to law school. And I kept thinking about healthcare reform and the fact that the Affordable Care Act here in the US was not written per se by healthcare professionals. It was 10,000 pages plus of law that was written predominantly by lawyers and lawmakers. And I wasn't really sure if the lawmakers fully understood what we do in healthcare. So I wanted to go back to law school to not necessarily, quote unquote, practice as a lawyer, but more so I wanted to be able to speak the language of both pharmacy and law and serve as a translator because healthcare is more and more regulated. Pharmacy is more and more regulated. And the people that are making the law need to understand what actually happens in a pharmacy. Right. So. I decided at that time it was a good time to consider going back. And I went to law school at night for four years part time while I was teaching in a school of pharmacy full time during the day. So that was the big reason why I went.
0: Oh yes. I mean, it is a very valid reason, and you, you, you had the passion to go back and do law school. It's, it's not easy. It's not an easy school at all. So I really applaud you for that passion and for that commitment. And uh, not only that, it's for your um, it, it, it also fascinates me how you are very like passionate to defend pharmacy. And defend healthcare and defend defend our patients as well, um, because unfortunately, not many of us are well educated in law to be able to speak the language, like you said. So, do you think for us to be good advocates for us for our profession, should we should pharmacists all go to pharmacy to law school, or <laughs> <laughs> what should we do? Because I noticed right now, as a pharmacy is very. Um, we are very underrepresented uh, in mm-hmm. multiple, in all the states and the governors and the, like we're not very well represented um, and defended and, yeah. and we're losing a lot of, we're going to go, we're going to, I'm going to dive a little bit more into our rights as pharmacists and um, you know, for re- our retail pharmacist uh, more right now, as you can see the understaffing and everything. So, As pharmacists right now, um, what can we do to better advocate for ourselves? Sure.
1: So if you read The Oath of a Pharmacist, which we all took a couple Mm -hmm. of times in our careers, you know, part of it is advocating, advocating for the profession, advocating for our patients. And advocacy, as much as it would be very interesting if every pharmacist in the U.S. also happened to be a, a lawyer or an attorney, um, I still think regardless, you can advocate for the profession as a pharmacist. Not only should you, but I argue in the oath of a pharmacist, there is a requirement to advocate for the profession, any profession for that matter. Part of the deal in being a professional means that you have to advocate for the profession And what's really interesting about and very similar between pharmacy and law is that both of those professions don't change very quickly. They don't change rapidly, which is really interesting. So being at the the intersection here as well of pharmacy and law, you can see kind of this resistance sometimes to, to change and the idea of radical change in pharmacy to a typical pharmacist could be scary, right? Change can be scary. Change can be a little bit dangerous, right? So I think part of advocating is just being passionate about the profession and then almost serving as a cheerleader for it. That means with your congressional representatives here in the U.S., that means Congress, that means your state representatives, that means getting involved in your board's uh, either your associations for pharmacists and or your board of pharmacy in your state. There's even local pharmacy organizations, pharmacist organizations that you can get involved in. And, you know, advocate advocating is jumping in, getting involved. Uh, so, mm-hmm. for example, I'm very passionate about the American Society for Pharmacy Law. And there are dozens literally of national and state organizations that pharmacists can be a part of and join. And yeah. one of the things that kind of concerns me is that we have different areas of practice and sometimes the areas of interest or the, the approach could be in conflict with other areas of practice. So for example, hospital practice versus community practice. So I think at the end of the day, though, we've got to unite as a profession because if we don't grab a hold of this rapid change that's happening in healthcare that's been sped up by the pandemic, mm-hmm. we could be without a profession in the future. We could be getting our prescriptions out of vending machines. Now, on one hand, that might be awesome, right? Because that could free (laughs) us up to do cognitive services and give immunizations and do all the other things that we want to do as a profession. On the other hand, people might view that as taking away their livelihoods. Mm -hmm. So... I think the best way, however, and I haven't really said this out loud until now, you made me think about this, Serene, was that good? <laughs> the best way to advocate for your profession is to build your own career portfolio and practice at the top, not only of your license, but at the top of how you want to practice in pharmacy. And that's a really hard thing to do. It can be tricky at times. But I'm starting to see rays of light throughout mm-hmm. the job portals, Indeed, LinkedIn, all these new jobs that are coming in areas of practice that don't even have the word pharmacist in the title. Things like population health, things like data analytics and informatics and you know, even veterinarian health, there's all these really cool avenues by which pharmacists can get involved. And I always say, yes, you can make change at a broader level, but you always have to start with yourself. And I think the best way to do that, the best way to advocate for the profession is to create your own best scenario for your own career. And then just by having that built, you share that with others and inspire them as well to change the profession.
0: And work together, because I think, you know, working together would definitely be, be the best for our profession. Like you said, we should all have that same vision, that same goal for not only for our patients, but also for each other and being there for each other. The community pharmacist being anything different than a hospital pharmacist, than anything different than, um, you know, a medical science liaison pharmacist. Um, because at the end of the day, we we all uh, are here to serve um, the same the same patient, and we all had the same oath of pharmacy. We believe, you know, like you said, building our own career. Do the best of our ability, and working together, hopefully it will give us a, a a better future, not only for us, but also for the generation that's coming. Because I was also reading one of your you know editorials on your website where it, you mentioned that what's working today in healthcare will not work tomorrow, right? So we should have that design thinking, what you called it that we should always be forward thinkers, like, we should not just stop here. Is that correct?
1: Yeah. And you know, I love that saying that you brought up, Serene, about what works in healthcare today might not work tomorrow. I can't take credit for that. That was right. actually <laughs> said by our CEO, John Ross yes. at Apex Benefits. Yes. And John is great in, ma- in modeling disruption, and you have to embrace disruption. And mm-hmm. I think at least the first time I went through pharmacy school, I felt like it was very regimented, very, this is the way we've always done it. And it's not to bash the curriculum by any means. I think Mm -hmm. it's just the nature of the tradition of the practice of pharmacy. And now with the pandemic, you know, speeding, accelerating everything up like telepharmacy, and, you know, we can give more vaccines now. And, you know, some of the acceleration has been for the better of the profession and some is str- it's a struggle. Let's be mm-hmm. honest, In community practice pharmacy. I know there's a lot of pharmacists right now leaving and they're frustrated. And I totally understand that. Oh, yeah. But the best way to advocate is to get what I call the keys to the door at a great company that you want to work for. Get in there, do the best job that you can under the job description you were hired to do. And then if you do that good job, you can rewrite your job description and move your own career forward with open-minded CEOs and managers, just like John Goss that you just mentioned with his Mm -hmm. quote. You can be and you can work in a direction that is better for your own personal career interests but also serve the organization you work for in maybe a capacity that the managers or the CEOs have never thought of before for the profession. I think that's the best way that you can advocate for the profession is to get at the top of the way that you want to practice and get the keys to the door to a great organization with open-minded managers. And I got to tell you with the great resignation right now, I think most great companies are doing everything they can To retain their employees. So here's our golden opportunity as a profession to rewrite our job descriptions potentially and practice the way we finally want to practice.
0: Yes. Amazing. you. It's a great point, because I do see it every day, how we are really struggling to keep not only pharmacists, but to also keep our technicians. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I look at our managers and our CEOs, how much, you know, they're trying to give them incentives um, to keep them. So I believe it is our chance really right now to to use it, to move our pharmacy profession forward to where we actually want it to be. Absolutely. Um, And Erin, I know that um, you do have multiple... Uh, Talents as well. (laughs) I mean, I think we probably need like two, three hours of podcast with you to really touch on all your on all your talents. Um, But um, it's interesting for me right now, for uh, for you being the president uh, for the Pharmacy Law Association. Um, can you tell us a little bit, um, about your role right now? I know that we were talking about it right now, but can you tell us a little bit more about your role and, uh, what is your goal for the upcoming year? And is it usually a one year term or two, three years term?
1: It's a one year term and and great question. Thank you for asking. You know, ASPL has been around now since the 1970s. So we're a relatively young organization compared to, you know, American Pharmacists Association and some of the larger associations. But really what we are, our mission truly is to educate at the intersection of pharmacy and law. We don't really take policy positions. We are apolitical. We truly are Switzerland We are there and function to help educate about the current topics of the intersection of pharmacy and law. So you can imagine, Serene, there's hundreds of different topics that we could address right now at the intersection of pharmacy and law. So ASPL, uh, we have several pharmacist members, we have pharmacist attorney members, and we have attorney members. So you don't have to be both, you can be one or the other or just have a passion for the intersection of pharmacy and law. And what we, our Hallmark event, our Sentinel event is in November, and that's our annual continuing legal and pharmacy education symposium. It's uh, two and a half, three days, jam-packed with pharmacy continuing education, legal continuing education in a variety of topics at the intersection, again, of pharmacy and law. One of the things that I want to do as president this year in 2022 coming up is we are offering an inaugural diplomat of the American Society for Pharmacy Law one year leadership program for people that have a passion for this intersection of pharmacy and law. In that leadership program, we're going to bring in leaders of pharmacy and law to talk about a variety of topics that the candidates of the diplomat program will be selecting through their application process to the DASPL. And then they will also have a service project that they'll work on around a topic that they're passionate in pharmacy and law. They will be assigned a mentor you know, a past president or someone from the organization from former leadership. And then their project work will be presented at the next fall conference in 2022, which happens to be in Naples, Florida, next November. So there's kind of three key components to that Year long leadership program, and it's really designed for mid career professionals because the association has done a really good job with students of pharmacy and law. There's lots of scholarship opportunities and ways to get involved there. Last year, we put into place a retiree category of membership. So this year, my platform was really to focus on those folks like me (laughs) that are in the middle of their careers. So we are super excited about the DASPL. And if you're interested, uh, you can go to ASPL.org and click on education. We've got a podcast there. We've got the application there. We've got a frequently asked questions document there. So I'm super excited about this because I haven't seen a lot of leadership programs for folks that are mid-career at this wild intersection of pharmacy and law.
0: No, me neither. And uh, really, leadership is is one of the um, key uh, talents or uh, key elements that, as uh, us, us as pharmacists, we we don't usually receive an official training in school, and we basically it's one of the things that we learn on the go, and um, many of us can struggle in building that leadership uh, skill. Uh, I believe every pharmacist is a leader and every one of us um, represent himself and pharmacy in in, uh, in anywhere they they work if you are a community pharmacist or if you are a hospital pharmacist or in in any, Uh, in any section of pharmacy, you could be just a clinical pharmacist or a staff pharmacist, but you should have this leadership skills. And with a great law background, I believe this would be a great program for anyone. I'm sure I will check it out myself. Um, For sure, you may see me soon. (laughs) And um, I just telling you about myself, I was pushed in, not pushed, but I did have a management experience for like five years in my previous role. And I never learned, I have no experience in management whatsoever. I was started that right after residency. And um, I was like, okay, we'll just learn it on the go. I learned a ton. I know that I don't like to be a manager now, <laughs> <laughs> but I know it's uh, uh, leadership is a, a great skill um, for us uh, to build the soft skills, the personal skills, talking to people, communication skills as well. Um, so it's definitely very important to learn.
1: Yeah, and leadership's kind of one of those fuzzy, ephemeral topics that mm-hmm. everybody kind of knows what it is, but you don't really know what it is. It's hard to describe in a sentence, right? right. So t- to your point, Serene, you just talked about, you know, management and you can manage people and be a leader mm-hmm. or you can be a technical subject matter expert and be a leader. True. So through through this year long program, we want to kind of explore leadership through the lens of pharmacy and law. And maybe that means writing a paper. Maybe that means doing some type of project. Maybe that means managing people more effectively. Leadership can take on a lot of different meanings. So I'm really excited to focus on that to your point. We don't spend a lot of time on that in pharmacy school. And, you know, Mm -hmm. until 2016, leadership was kind of sort of in the ACPE guidelines until standard 4 and which by the way here in the US ACPE through December 31st of 2021 is looking for notice and comment on mm. updating the ACPE pharmacy school guidelines So here's our big chance, (laughs) again, to (laughs) advocate for the profession, right? You can literally go through standard by standard and tell them what you think needs to be updated, what needs to be changed, what needs to come out. So there's a lot of standards. There's a lot of information there. But seize that opportunity because ACPE is looking for that feedback. And I think that's absolutely critical because our profession is changing.
0: Oh, yeah hundred percent every day every day um I, I, it's like you said leadership as a term if you say leadership you'll think you right away think of a manager a ceo um a director but really it, it does not mean that at all um you because you could be uh, you just need being a leader is making a difference. I feel like making a difference in people's life and in the most effective manner. So I believe you're what you're doing right now. It will really influence us as pharmacists and hopefully everybody who's listening to us uh, from the US, from the UAE uh, to check it out and learn more about how to be a leader. And um, also I wanted to touch on your, the career development. Um, I believe you're also an entrepreneur. Is that correct?
1: I am through my writing okay. and publishing and speaking. Yes.
0: Wonderful. Can you tell us a little bit about that? And how did you, what, you know, made you think of of that career path and and what you do?
1: Sure. So entrepreneurship was something I was never going to do. I mean, my parents told my brother and I, we were going to go to a good college. We were going to be first generation college graduates in our family, and we were going to be professionals and Uh, They actually were entrepreneurs. So I was around that environment growing up. And I kind of became an accidental entrepreneur in that my very first book on the field-based medical science liaison, I actually submitted that data as a benchmarking survey to a peer reviewed journal for publication. And they kind of sat on it for six months or so. And they wouldn't really give us an answer whether or not they were going to publish it. So I just decided I was going to pull it and just publish a book out of it. And so when I published, I had to make the decision of, am I going to go down the traditional publishing route where I have to go find like a literary agent and a publishing company and all that? Or was I going to self-publish and have more control over the publication? And after having kind of a bad taste in my mouth from the peer-reviewed experience, I just decided that I was going to self-publish. So in order to do that, I really felt like I needed to start my own organization, my own legal structure as an LLC to publish and write under that brand. So subsequently, I started two companies, but I publish and write under those, those companies to kind of limit the liability that I have, but also... I just kind of became this accidental entrepreneur in that I had nowhere to publish my information, so I had to kind of create my own pathway. And subsequently, most of the books, if not all of the books that I've published, have either been completely self-published or quasi-self-published with a publishing house. So that's kind of how that came about. And then at Butler, I started teaching entrepreneurship as a professional elective to pharmacy majors. And I really love that. That was a lot of fun because one of the best components of that course was I would bring in an actual life science, pharmacy, or healthcare entrepreneur every week to talk to the students about their mindset, why they went into business for themselves, and what they've achieved out of their businesses. So That was just as much fun for me as it was for the students, because I got to hear all these amazing stories from these awesome entrepreneurs. And that really had an effect, I think, on students as well. Not that they were going to graduate and start their own pharmacies overnight, but certainly getting around that mindset to one point maybe in their career where they want to have something on the side that's their own, or they, you know, freelance right for somebody, or, They want to, you know, have a professional speaking career on the side. Whatever the case may be, I think pharmacy, you know, even back in the day, everybody went home and ran their own mom and pop drugstore. And we've kind of swung away from that a little bit in that most of pharmacists today are employees. But I think we're starting to swing back on that a little bit. And that might mean full-time, but in a lot of instances with a lot of my pharmacy entrepreneurial colleagues, they're doing it on the side part-time.
0: Uh, you made a, a great career path and a great experience to make your dream come true and uh, to make your goal happen.
1: Frustration um, is a great motivator. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Shireen! I always talk to students about uh, the fact that Your best life, your best career life, your guy is what the Japanese call it, Mm -hmm. lies at a five-way intersection. And that intersection is the intersection of what you love to do, your values, what the world needs, what you're great at, and then what somebody will actually pay you to do. If you can figure out what's in the middle of that five-way intersection, you are golden, And so anytime a student comes to me or a pharmacist comes to me that really wants to make a career pivot before we go out to Indeed or LinkedIn to look for jobs, you have to back up and you have to know yourself and you have to do the test, the hard work on yourself in these five intersections to identify who you are, what makes you tick and get really clear on yourself as a person individually before you start, you know, putting resumes out there and just blindly applying to jobs. So of this five-way intersection, I think the best place to start is under your values and virtues. And a virtue is just a value in action. And there's a little test out on Google. You can go to Google and type in personal values card sort. And up pops this little card sorter. You just print it out and you cut out the little cards and then you rank them against one another to get really clear on what your values are. If you can find an organization that aligns with most, if not all of your top values, you're going to be much happier. You're going to be more productive and you're going to be satisfied more with your career than if your values are incongruent with uh, an employer. So one of my top five values is working on the frontiers of knowledge. I am futuristic over in my strengths, and I love talking about what the future of whatever is, healthcare, pharmacy, law. And so one of the things that motivates me very heavily is understanding that one of the things that I value the most is working on the frontiers of knowledge. I want to know what healthcare 20 years from now is going to look like. And then how can I reverse engineer that to get that disruption moving fast enough to make the positive change faster? So that's just one tiny example that if you understand who you are and what you're great at and what somebody will pay you to do and what your values and virtues are and what the world needs and what you love to do you're going to be much better positioned to find your dream job or write your dream job for that matter. And it might not just be one job. It could be like me with many things having that career portfolio, or I call it a lattice in that you have almost, you know, several things going on at the same time, but they feed one another. So for example, on my podcast, I get to interview cool people Mm -hmm. and that feeds into ideas for how I can do pharmacy benefits better, maybe for my clients, or maybe that there's a book idea in there somewhere that I can take an article that I blogged about and turn it into a book, or so. All of these different parts of my life fit into a nice career portfolio, but I had to do the hard work on myself to understand what motivates me, and that's again at that five way intersection.
0: Wow. That's an amazing way of putting it. I've never thought about it that way at all. I'm looking at your website. Um,
1: Um, I'm at erinalbert.com. So you can check me out over there. But my primary social media portal is LinkedIn. I love LinkedIn. I'm always on LinkedIn. I think that's how we connected. So I'm a big, big fan of LinkedIn. So you can find me over there.
0: And I see a, a lot of books that you've wrote. And many of them, it looks like they're life lessons of a pharmacist, life lessons of the pharmacist struggles on a daily basis, uh, from your, you know, like being even in, uh, during your law school. Um, and it looks like, do you do like to influence, um, young professionals like myself and students on how to look at our uh, future careers? So if I want to pick one of your books, um, to start reading, um, which one would you suggest for me? Mm, that's
1: tough because there's <laughs> quite a few and it kind of depends like, on where you are in your own career, but I would say, uh, early career, you know, 46 doses, mm-hmm. the, the, you know, early career pharmacist is a great book to get started on. And that's mainly for folks that have just graduated from pharmacy school. Mm -hmm. I think if you're considering law school, the life science lawyer is a great book. Actually, I went out and interviewed a bunch of different life science lawyers prior to me going to law school to kind of figure out what they did with their careers and why they wanted to add law onto their healthcare careers. So Mm -hmm. that would be a great book. If you really want to, you know, think about change and career pivots and making a difference radically in pharmacy, my current mm-hmm. book, Punk Rock Pharmacy, is a really cool one. And I've already got my idea for my new book in twenty twenty two, but I can't talk about yeah. it yet because I'm not. Quite
0: and there yet. <laughs> Um, and the the all of the the most recent book is what is it called again? It's called Punk Rock Pharmacy. So here is in the published? states.
1: <laughs> it is well, it's published as an as an ebook and it's a okay. subscription model. So I'm still writing it. I've okay. released chapters a couple of times this year. So I wanted to try what they call a fan fiction model for the book, okay. meaning that the author builds it over time. So you get a, a few chapters over time. And so it's not quite finished yet. Although I do want to commit to getting it finished sooner rather than later. So yes. Yes. So that's just an ebook, but it's a lot of fun, you know, kind of playing with different uh, ways to publish content has been a lot of fun as well. Wow. So
0: there's a lot of different ways that you can do it. And yeah, this requires a lot of courage. So I applaud you for being so courageous and, um, you know, being a, a great model for pharmacists to try new things. I hope to really meet with you again, do another interview again some point soon to talk more about different topics in, in more depth. Because I'm sure this interview uh, will really trigger a lot of curiosity from our pharmacy colleagues in different regions in the U.S., in the UAE, in Africa, about what pharmacists looks like here in the U.S. So you're a great model. I'm very proud to get the chance to talk to you. Thank you so much, Serena. I really
1: appreciate the opportunity. And I'm always excited to learn about how pharmacy is done in other parts of the world. So yes. I'm excited
0: to come back and, and learn more from you about the UAE. Oh, that Definitely. And uh, thank you so much. And you have a wonderful evening. You too. Thanks, Serene. Thank you.